It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with my fellow financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. It's been well documented that we are not very good at saving money. The latest numbers show that the savings rate in our country is 5.7%, which leaves a lot of room for improvement. And improvement is what this show is all about. So today we're going to be sharing some habits you could build into your life to become a better saver. All right. Well, folks, this is your show. Go to wisemoneyradio.com to participate, submit a question, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, join the, fa- or join the conversation on Facebook, at Wise Money Radio. Anita did that last week. We didn't have a chance to get to her question last week, but we're going to be getting to that today. So participate in all those avenues. We want to hear from you. Okay, folks, so uh, that new voice you heard is uh, that of Joshua <laughs> Gregory. We've missed you, buddy. You've been gone yeah. for a couple of weeks. We haven't made a big deal about it on the, on the program, but for the past couple of weeks, Josh has been teaching a class about retirement, and uh, we're glad to have you back, but we're excited by that opportunity you had. How'd that go? Yeah, it, it was awesome. We've had a vision for teaching financial courses out in the community for a long time, and it actually launched this fall, so I got to be the one to hop in front of a class and it was a full house talking about the topic of retirement and this is for people who are right on the eve of retirement so they were very eager listeners and somehow we crammed about 10 hours worth of uh, curriculum into six hours worth of class time over the past couple weeks and it, it was exhausting but fun that's that's a long time to listen to my voice, so well, gosh, I, I applaud them. I can empathize with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Actually, and Kevin gave me the look. My, my typical joke is the 10-pound sausage and the 9-pound sack there. and that, So, yeah, that was a lot of material. But, it, yeah, it went, went well. Good. Yep, went good. It, it was good. And we actually have a vision of having Wise Money University. So I'm just going to tease that out there. We're hoping to do more of those educational, community educational events. I mean, that's what this show is all about. Yep. So stay tuned to that because we're hoping to roll that out. In the, in the near future. Okay, so we're starting today with a question from Brad in Mishawaka. Here's this question I think most of you can relate. Uh, okay, Brad from Mishawaka, age 40. I'm, I'm having trouble knowing exactly what to do in my financial life. My wife and I don't have a lot of money and have two kids in middle school. We have a mortgage, a car loan, and a little bit of money on credit cards. We don't have any money in savings. and We've got about 500 set aside for each of the kids' colleges. So we know we need more, uh, we need to be doing more with that. But we also don't have much save for retirement either. I think we're doing 3%. My wife may not be doing anything, actually. So what do we need to start doing? Yeah, you know, everything that Brad wrote, um, you know, it, it tells me, Brad, that you're a normal guy living a normal life, right? And it's it's this balancing act that all of us are facing between what our resources are and what we're trying to accomplish and you know, you're, you're trying to balance between enjoying life today and meeting the needs of today with trying to build a better future as well. And 
you know, a lot of us don't get that balance quite right. And I, I applaud you for at least asking the question, well, what should I be doing here? Because I, I think you're sensing, hey, the, you, you said, I don't have any money in savings. I don't have much saved for retirement. And that may be eating at you a little bit. You're certainly not alone. There, there was actually a study uh, that was released recently that said a third of Americans have no savings built up at all. And there's another third of Americans who have less than $1,000. Yeah, it's staggering. That's yeah. right. I mean, so many people are living really close to the edge financially. And, you know, they're, they're literally a paycheck away, one missed paycheck away from a serious financial crisis. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Not to cut you off, but I mean, is there something, you know, demographically that's going on here or people just don't like saving? I mean, what? I mean, so, so two-thirds of... of of people here in this country really don't have much saved. Why is that? You know, I, I personally attribute an awful lot of it to it hasn't been shown to them and it hasn't been taught to them. So many of us leave homes, our parents' homes, and have never really had it demonstrated to us, either the importance of savings or really the good habits or the, the methods of saving. And so, well, how, how do you go do something that you've never had demonstrated to you before? Yeah, I would agree for sure that when you look at financial education, and this is where the, for the folks that don't have those things in place, what in my humble opinion, what people need is a financial plan. So I would say, well, Brad, you said you're having trouble knowing exactly what to do in my financial life. You are not alone. That everyone I've ever met has trouble knowing exactly what to do in their financial life. They're lacking clarity and confidence. And you say, well, how do I deal with that lack of clarity and confidence? And that's by having a financial plan. So Brad, you can either create your own financial plan, which you might find it difficult to do. There are things that I delegate. I don't fix my own car. I, I don't know how. Um, I could spend all my weekends trying. I can't even clean my own car. So, um, <laughs> that's, oh, true, that's true. Very that true. true. <laughs> so anyway, so you look at that and you say, well, you need a financial plan, Brad, do it yourself. I'm assuming up to this point, you haven't done it yourself. And so hire someone to do it because you, you have this money to work with and you say, Hey, what do I do? You need to get really clear on what's the most important thing. And you need to start as the leader of your household. A leader's job is to define reality. So as the leader of your household, you're going to have to say, hey, look, honey, this is what retirement's going to look like for us. And this is what we're going to be able to do for educating the kids. But the sooner you can get that defined and declared in your family, the happier everyone's going to be. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think this problem isn't going to fix itself. I think as, as I just observe what's happening in the country with rising student student loan debt, uh, people coming out of college with that, and difficulty in finding jobs right out of college. It just doesn't seem like this one's a self-correcting issue, where two-thirds of Americans are struggling with this. Uh, I, I just think you got to, like Kevin said, you know, pull yourself up, be a leader, and start taking some steps forward. And actually, we, we're, we're going to spend a good chunk of this episode talking about how to build in some of those good habits to become a better saver. And it's going to be like beating an old drum, but we're, we're, we want to help. We want to help the community with this. Um, these are habits that we ourselves have instilled. And Well, and there may be some of you who are listening today that are hearing in Brad's voice, hey, we don't make a lot of money. Uh, there's not a lot of wiggle room in the monthly budget. So savings, you know, it's, it's too hard. It's, 
it's not really possible if you knew my situation then. Um, you know, I, I would I would personally respond to that and say, uh, Brad and, and others uh, in a similar situation, um, it's especially important for you because if there's not a lot of wiggle room, your life is going to keep on getting more and more expensive. You know, these kids are going to get closer to retirement. They're going to, or to a college rather, you're going to get closer to retirement. And if you don't start building that habit in now, kind of forcing it in, then it may be too late eventually. So the first habit that we're going to talk about is, is to have a budget. And uh, it's a critical habit to have if you're going to have financial success. But let's talk about that a little bit as it comes to becoming a better saver. Yeah. And when you think about habits, and, and I talk about this frequently at work, it, what makes someone successful? It's their habits. And actually, it's the same thing that makes someone unsuccessful is their habits. So if you said, hey, what habit do I want to have financially? If I want to be successful financially, I want to have a budget. And you say, well, why do I want a budget? You think about this. Any corporation, a church, a family, any organized human effort with finite income and infinite possible expenses needs a budget. And what a budget does Again, we're talking about clarity and confidence. A budget takes the subjective or the, the very emotional, and when you commit it to paper or make it digital, it makes it objective. So I just removed all of the emotion from the equation. And so when I look at that, I say, okay, what's the if, if, you, if you're listening today and you've never had a budget, in its simplest terms, I think, all right, if I'm just getting married, you know what I want to have? I want to have the envelope system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the simplest budget you can have. Now, there are there are amazing tools available today that were not available even just a few years ago that help you with your budget. You can connect your accounts. You can do amazing things. And I would encourage you to, to find a tool like that if you're savvy. But, you know, so I, I like starting with the envelope system if you haven't done a budget before. Do Mint and some of these electronic versions once you've got that mastered. Yep. Um, so... Okay, folks, we've got more tips. In fact, my two favorite tips about becoming a better saver are here next. Here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, folks, good morning. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name's Mike Bernard in the studio with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. We're talking about how you can become a better saver. That is a foundational habit to having financial success. And uh, we're talking about some habits that you can build into your financial life to become a better saver. Uh, My two favorite ones are coming up in just a moment. If you have a question or comment or you want us to talk about anything else, go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit a question, and we'll answer it on an upcoming show. If you're driving, give us a call, 574-222-2000. You can reach us that way as well. And lastly... Join the conversation on Facebook at Wise Money Radio. And uh, yeah, we actually had Anita reach us, reach out to us on Facebook last week. We'll be taking her question later in the program. All right. So we're in the middle of talking about a question that Brad asked. And let me just paraphrase real quick what he said. He's, 
age 40 from Mishawaka, and he says, basically, I'm having trouble knowing exactly what to do in my financial life. My wife and I have two kids, and we've got a mortgage, a car loan, a little bit on credit cards, but we really don't have anything saved. What should we be doing? So should we pay off credit cards? Should we build up savings? Should we start saving for college or retirement? Basically, what should we do? And we've latched on and said, you know, Brad, that's a pretty normal situation. A lot of people are in the exact same situation as you. So how can you instill some habits in your life to become a better saver? And the first one we talked about is the budget. But it's important, folks. I know we keep talking about it. It's critically important regardless Absolutely. whatever stage you're in. Second habit is one of my favorites, uh, and that is to have separate bank accounts, something we call the three bank account system. Yeah, and it's really something, if, if you've never heard us talk about this on the show before, it's exactly what it sounds like, but it's a method of setting up your bank accounts to support that budget that you were just describing. And uh, just like you would segregate money for retirement into those accounts and college dollars into others, we believe that there are three separate uses of your bank dollars as well, and they need to be segregated into separate accounts. And the first one uh, is probably the one that you're most familiar with. It'd be to have a checking account. We always refer to it as the immediate spending account, simply because it's used to cover all your monthly bills. The, the account or the expenses that you spend money on, like clockwork, every single month, you know they're coming. Um, most people don't struggle with this part of the budget. It's the non-monthly stuff. That's right. The, the expenses that are less predictable. You know they're coming, but you don't always know when they're going to show up. And they're non-monthly. I'll just reiterate that. They don't come up every single month. That's right. So maybe they're quarterly or annually. Maybe it's every few years. But the, the point is, is that they're going to squeeze their way into your life some way, somehow. So you may as well be planning ahead for them. And the way that you do that is by building up savings in a separate account. A delayed spending account is what we refer to it as. So build up for the next dentist visit or the next uh, set of tires for your car, home repairs, that sort of thing. Yep. yep. And then uh, bucket number three, the third bucket is emergency spending. This is the rainy day fund where you're trying to accumulate dollars for not only unexpected expenses, um, but unpredictable, maybe unquantifiable expenses or interruptions to your income, either one. You know what I've found is people that don't do bucket number two well, have a lot more issues with bucket number three, okay? So if you haven't saved up in advance to replace the tires on your vehicle, ah, that's going to feel like an emergency when you get that news. That's right. Right? Or the next time you want to take a vacation, you might not have the cash available to do it, and you're going to drain whatever savings you have. That's and right. so the discipline of setting up some money in that delayed spending, to me, is one of the most important disciplines to having a strong financial life. Yeah, and one of the benefits of segregating that money is that it is it doesn't seem as easily accessible it's not as tempting to spend and so that can help you uh, build in a little discipline there yeah that's a that's a great point a couple of the things that people struggle with as they're trying to get going is number one if you don't set this this up automatically where you're funding that delayed spending automatically you're going to have trouble with that uh, or actually you're going to have trouble getting this thing off the ground we'll come back to that one the second thing is for folks who don't have a lot of money saved up and you start doing this and you're seeing these accounts rise, there's a temptation to not use it. That's okay, right. now it's Christmas time. I don't want to raid my Christmas fund because it's nice seeing 1200 bucks in the bank. <laughs> and But no, if you try and just cover it within your immediate spending, your checking, uh, things aren't all going to fit. 
Well, and you just kind of alluded to another issue, and that is many people try to have all three of these purposes of money in one account. Right. If you only have a checking account, you know, many people report it's hard to save money in a checking account because it's not designed for that. It's designed for transactions, spend money, get the dollars out quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. And so if money is constantly bleeding out of your checking account, then no wonder you're going to have issues with saving. So I, I take this separate account idea to the nth degree just to help with that visibility and have the guardrails. I'll tell you right now. So I have a separate account that's nicknamed Disney. I have one that's nicknamed Car Fund. So for that new car and car repair, home improvements. I've got all my insurances listed there. Um, so health, my, I've got a health account. These are all delayed spending where money is going into those accounts. And then I know what my budget is. We had to buy a new car last year. I knew exactly what my budget was. Didn't matter what the salesperson told me. Hey, I only have this much money in the bank. That's it. That's my that's my limit. So, anyway, so uh, so what do you call that? The twelve bank account system? <laughs> I, I was I lost count of There's how many three, you have there. It's, it's a little bit more than that, actually. Okay. So it's still three bank accounts, but within that second category, I yeah, it's a it's it's a little congested. Just an there. overachiever. Yeah. So the the third habit though, we already kind of sprinkled in there, and that is that you need to set up as many savings as possible set them up as automatic savings. So you make the decision once and you don't have to make that decision every single week or every month. Yeah, that helps a lot, especially when you think about the delayed expenses. And, you know, when you think about why are people successful in setting aside money for their retirement plan? And for a lot of folks, it's because it's easily done. It's payroll deduction, goes right into my 401k. Pay yourself first is what they always say. Yep. So simpler these types of things. So when you think about the delayed uh, expenses and Mike, you hit on about seventeen of these. That's right. But I would, I would add um, a property tax is one where you want to set aside money if you've uh, got a, a decent sized property tax bill coming. Certainly, cash reserve. Sometimes, if you look and you say, "Hey, we're spending a a pretty good amount of money," so three to six months of expenses is a lot of money. And what we want to encourage you to do today is just get started. Mm-hmm. Just get started. Even if you can only do $100 a month. Yeah, 25 bucks a week. I mean, I'd, I'd start there 15 bucks a week. I actually, all 17 of mine that I listed, I have, I think all of them, done on a weekly basis. Because even taking a big chunk out each month is almost too difficult for my budget. Every Thursday morning, it gets sucked out. Give me an N. <laughs> Give me an E. Yeah, that's right, folks. <laughs> Give me an R. I'm earning that badge. Give me a D. So, um, so I think for sure your cash reserve, but and especially the next card, just like Mike said, hey, I know what it exactly what I have to spend. And if you are not making a car payment today, great, good for you, but you need to get started because that car has a finite life uh, left to it. And we said Christmas and vacation, Disney, whatever. You know, so. how, how often do you guys see someone who takes... Uh, what I'll call a wait and see approach to savings where, you know, they, they go into each month with every intention to save up money. But if you ask them, well, how much are you going to save? Well, it depends on my spending that month. You know, some months I can save a hundred dollars. Some I might be able to squeeze out 200 or 300, but it just sort of depends on what's happening. So I, I wrote, go to the, go to the wise money blog on the website. I actually wrote an article about this very issue as I was preparing for the show. And I talk about that. A lot of people, their saving strategy is, well, I'm going to see how the month goes. And by the 30th, whatever is left over in my checking, I'll save that. I have seen, let's see, 
zero percent success right with that that's right? right and it's part of what you already mentioned josh the checking account is designed for easy spending very easy with apple pay now and other de- other devices it's going to be easier and easier to spend money it's going to be hard to keep those dollars in there well it also leaves too much room for impulse type decisions the the quick in the moment spending patterns that can derail you from something that really long term is much more important to you it's a bigger priority to you but uh, you haven't set it up to be automatic and therefore it may or may not happen each month yes yeah, so if you're listening this morning you're looking for something to do having a cup of coffee get a piece of paper and make a t-chart and write your needs and your wants and that that can help the the process i know we're going to get into this but say what do i need and what do i want and if you can just focus on the needs that can help you get started on saving i prefer coffee myself as opposed to tea but we've got more saving tips coming up here in just a minute here on wise money with Porthorn financial group new stock 95 <laughs> This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, folks, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike. I'm with Josh and Kevin in the MNC studio. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. We've been talking about great habits to improve your saving. Don't forget, go to wisemoneyradio.com to submit a question or give us a call, 574-222-2000. We've got more savings tips, but listen, folks, I've got a public service announcement. We're not going to hit it in great detail today. We will on an upcoming show, but uh, just released this week, they are increasing your Social Security tax in a way. So right now, out of FICA, you're paying... Social Security tax on the first 118500 that you make. I know a lot of people don't make that amount, but if you happen to make that or more, you're only paying Social Security tax on the first 118500 that you earn. Starting next year, folks, it's going up to the first 127200 So that is a way of increasing tax, folks. Now, we all know Social Security, the Social Security system is broken, needs to be fixed. They've been talking about increasing this for years. And so, and you know, that side of me is like, okay, I'm glad they're doing something because to sure it up to make sure social security stays around. But on the other hand, it just stinks because we're all going to be paying more tax. So we'll be diving into more of that uh, in an upcoming show, but did want to mention that today. So, all right, folks, we're going to hit the fourth habit that you need to follow to become a better saving. And that is to have a savings goal. We've talked about the importance of having financial goals before, and certainly that hits the list here. Um, and so, yeah, building up savings as a, as a financial goal. Yep. And so I think you want to start with a question. Have you set clear written goals for your future and made plans to accomplish them? Now, I would, I would apply this to having a goal of, of having some uh, savings account um, built up. But this, was, this came out of a study of Harvard MBAs, and they, they took the, the class of 1979, and 84% had no specific goals at all, 13% had goals, uh, but they weren't written on paper, and 3% had clear written goals and plans to accomplish them. So 10 years later, they did another study, and they said, okay, how are these folks doing? 
the thirteen percent of the class who had goals were earning on average twice as much as the eighty-four percent who had no goals at all. But even more staggering, the three percent who had clear written goals were earning on average ten times as much Holy as the smokes. other ninety-seven percent put together. And now this comes from a, a book by Mark McCormick. Uh, what they don't teach you at the Harvard Business School. So you don't have to go to Harvard to get an MBA to know that if you really want to accomplish something, you need to have a goal. So a clear written goal with a plan to achieve it. So when we uh, look at that, we say, hey, a goal needs to be smart, if you will. It needs to be specific. It needs to be measurable, attainable, realistic, and Mm time-bound. And what I would encourage you to do is when you have those written goals, share them with someone. Well, that's a good point. One of my closest friends graduated from Harvard. I guess I'll be asking to see his written goals next time we see each other, which I think is later on tonight. So get ready for that if you're listening anyway. uh, (laughs) But, you know, we're talking about savings and savings goals. So, Josh, I'm, I'm thinking back to the three bank account system you brought up. It would be very important to have a goal for how much you should have in your emergency fund. Write that thing down and put a deadline to it and and start taking some action towards it. Also, a goal about when are you going to buy your next car and what's the how much do you need in savings for that and so on. I Guys, I am the nerd, but I would list those things out. I believe in the power of written goals. You know, I, I would add one more thing to it because it's not just have the goal, have it written. I if, if we dug into that survey that you were referencing, I bet one of the other things that those three percenters did better than anybody else is that they had actual strategies and policies, action items associated with those goals. It wasn't just, hey, I'm a dreamer and I want to accomplish this. They had specific things that they were going to be doing to make it happen. And that's kind of what you're referencing, yeah. Mike, is, you know, pick have it be time bound, figure out when you're going to need that next vehicle purchased, but then break it down into a monthly dollar amount that you can begin saving like clockwork and you know that it's it's happening. I read in a book recently a, a great suggestion for people who are trying to make significant change in their life. They need to adopt something that was called if when then statements. So if you find yourself in this situation, then I'm going to do this. And, you know, for me, if uh, I'm feeling stressed, my natural inclination is to go to junk food. Yeah. Comfort food, right? That's right. So if I'm feeling stressed, then I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go chew some gum or I'm going to, you know, go uh, hang out with a friend this evening or something. You know, pick a, a more healthy response that helps you align your behaviors with the actual goal or the priority that you're trying to build into your life. In an unrelated statement, if I sound a little different today, I did break a personal record for how fast I ate a rise and roll donut this morning. <laughs> so if I sound a little bloated, that's what happened. But I'll adopt maybe what you're talking about, Josh. True story about the rise and roll. Uh, okay, last habit we wanted to touch on was... If you're going to become a better saver, Josh talked about how very few people are getting this right. So the last core habit to becoming a better saver is you need to throw off discouragement and not be influenced by your peers that may not be doing it and t- and, and and stressing it as much as you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned peers there because in my opinion, I, I think throwing off discouragement has an awful lot to do with who you surround yourself with. Sure. And, you know, who, who your peers are really does matter because 
Um, and I, I wish I could cite the actual study. Maybe one of you guys remembers that um, most of us are going to earn within a small percentage of our closest peers and friends. I mean, y- y- the, the old idea I that, need new friends. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. <laughs> <laughs> Birds of a feather flock together, as they say. There you right? go. Well, if suddenly you start making some changes in your life and you decide, I'm not going to live off of every dime that I earn, there's a good chance that maybe those friends and neighbors and family members still are. They're still living what, what may be an unsustainable lifestyle, and now all of a sudden you're going to try to live a more conservative, sustainable lifestyle. And you might have to start saying no to some of the things that they're not saying no to. Mm-hmm. And that can be discouraging. And Literally, it may, it may mean that you need some new friends who are pointed in the direction that you're really wanting to head and not just all about uh, trying to enjoy life right now. You know, I, I actually had a client who just paid off their mortgage last week, Woo-hoo. and they're so excited, and we've been working on that goal together for 12 years, and I'm so, so thrilled for them. And yet, as I, I saw her yesterday, and she said, you know, I, I'm not even telling anyone. And it's like, well, yeah, I know money's personal. And she said, no, but even close family members, because I don't think they'd be happy for me. I feel like they would mm-hmm. want to tear us down and say, well, you should be more generous or you should have, or you should, because they're not having the same discipline. So, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the idea of changing your playground and changing your playmates in order to get where you want to go, that's, that doesn't sound very appealing. It may not sound very appealing, but when you look at, at what you can accomplish surrounded by the right people, it's worth uh, considering. So let's wrap this up, folks. So we're, we're, we've been tackling a question from Brad from Mishawaka, age 40, basically having trouble knowing exactly what to do. I don't have anything in savings, and I've got all these financial goals, retirement, college for my kids, and so on. What should I do? And so let's kind of wrap this up into a couple action items. Well, we started with build a budget, Yep. right? Have a budget. Uh, the next thing we said is, hey, let's have some separate accounts. So if you have everything in the checking account, everything flows in and flows out, and it's just all transactions, you're going to have a hard time having any kind of accumulation there. Mm-hmm. So we said, hey, let start with a three-bank account system. Yep. And then if you want success with that three-bank account system, make sure you're setting up some automatic transfers. We like online money market accounts or all kinds of different strategies, but set up automatic transfers so that you don't have to think about it. Because when you uh, stop thinking about it and it starts happening automatically, uh, it's even better. Yeah, that's right. So then the fourth thing that we said is, hey, have goals, have clear written goals with a plan of action to accomplish them. So this, we're talking about a savings goal. So let's have a savings goal saying, hey, my budget, I spend... X amount per month, so I need to have three times X or six times X set aside an emergency uh, uh, savings account. And then the lastly, we said throw off discouragement, right? Surround yourself with people that can help you. All right, good stuff. We've got a very, very interesting question from Jeff. He called into the Wise Money Hotline last week. We're going to be hitting that here in just a moment. Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike, alongside Kevin, alongside Josh in the MNC Studios. If you've missed anything, the entire show today has been about building great savings habits. If you want us to talk about something else, go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit a question there, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, if you missed anything, check out the podcast. We've got a lot of people that subscribe to it. Uh, usually it will come out on Tuesdays and we hear from people all the time and say, oh, I love Tuesday because I know a new episode's there. So when I'm cutting the grass or raking leaves or whatever, I can listen. And so check us out there as well. So we've been answering a question from Brad, normal guy, normal financial situation saying, not sure exactly what to do. Don't have much in savings. What should I do? And we broke down our five uh, most important habits that we'd encourage anyone in Brad's situation to adopt. And uh, we were just about to transition to a question from Jeff here, but one last kind of action item for those of you in Brad's situation. Yeah, I think one of the most important action items, Kevin started to to reference the fact that who you surround yourself mat- with matters. And there may be one relationship that you need to build into your financial life, and that's to have a financial coach, someone that can kind of inspire you or push you to keep doing financial push-ups and jump, jumping jacks and all of that when you don't want to anymore, right? You feel like kind of slacking off in your financial life. So someone who can give you that kick in the pants that we all need at times. And uh, unfortunately, not enough people bring intentionally the right folks into their life to be those butt kickers when they need it. And because of that, they often lack confidence or they lack accountability they lack someone to challenge their thinking at times, and the net result is poor results. Beautiful. So don't fall into that that mistake. Completely agree. Get a certified financial planner on your team. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, folks, uh, next question we have is Jeff from South Bend. He called in to 574-222-2000 and left this voicemail last week. Yeah, this is Jeff, 52, two kids in college, from South Bend, this is about the FAFSA. When they ask on the FAFSA, how much money do you have in savings and checking and all that, I have gone the night before, withdrawn as much money as I can, out, reported the next day how much is in there and deposited it back in the day after. How do they know how much money you have when you answer that question truthfully. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Jeff. That's great. Appreciate you calling in with that. And just a reminder, folks, if you've got a a child in college right now or a senior in high school, the 2017-2018 FAFSA application is now open, and some is on a first-come, first-served basis. So go ahead and fill that out. You'll be using your 2015 tax data Okay, so Jeff, great question. And listen, we all know we've got a problem with how much college is costing these days. So trying to figure out, hey, what can I do to qualify for more financial aid? Uh, We're all about that. I I love that. However, your your question states that, you know, there may be some confusion as to what the question actually is on the FAFSA form there. So I pulled it up. It's question 90 on the 2016-2017 FAFSA. And here's what it says. As of today, what is your parents' total current balance of cash, savings, and checking accounts? 
in your question that you left on the voicemail, you actually say checking and savings, but they're actually, they're also asking for the cash. And so if you've withdrawn cash the night before and then, you know, just filled it out based on what's in the bank accounts, technically they're, they, they, they need to know that cash as well. So in other words, the, the number didn't change it overnight didn't. and he's thinking that maybe it did. So right. he, he's either, uh, I assume, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's thinking, hey, I found a loophole here. Right. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't realize that cash is still part of the, the calculation. So he thinks, hey, maybe I can get better financial aid by just doing this clever little maneuver. But unfortunately, if you're answering uh, the question fully, mm-hmm. it's not just what's in the bank, but what also is under your mattress. Yeah, because in changing the, the kind of the character of the money, going from a savings account or checking account to cash, it didn't change how much you have in those three. Yeah. There are accounts that you can put money into where it either isn't counted or it's counted less. I want to get I want to get back to that point though, but but just buried in your question, Jeff, you also ask, well, how would they even know? So let's say you were listening and you say, well, that was a little intentional. Or or mm-hmm. or maybe you're inspired <laughs> by Jeff's comment and said, I'm gonna start doing that. Uh, so how would they know? Number one, my understanding, and, and, and I'm no expert in this, but in doing some research on some trustworthy websites about financial aid process, one third of all FAFSA applications are audited and reviewed, which I think is a much greater percentage than that of tax returns and so on. So there's more scrutiny going on your application. And then second, if you're, I, as I was researching this, I found a lot of people who were trying to skirt the system by filing eh, less than truthful tax documents, okay, uh, 1040s. So, but it, let's say you're filing an accurate tax return. If you've got money in your savings account, you've probably got a little interest that you're earning. And if you're reporting that interest accurately on your tax return, but on your FAFSA application, you show no money in savings, that's going to be a red flag. Wait a second. You say you don't have any money, yet you've got some interest income. How does that line up? Right. And so they've caught a lot of people. Now, in the same spirit, Jeff, people have tried to then say, well, I'm not going to report my interest. And if you get audited and caught there, then you've got a fraudulent tax return. And that's big, big problems big problems. And there's no real way around that because the whatever the bank pays you in interest, they're also reporting that to the IRS. That's right. So they when when they run that through their system and do their checks, it's going to be caught. You know, pragmatically, I still also ask the question, well, is it even worth it? You know, what yeah. what do you think you're really gaining by trying to get around the system here because uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that it's a pretty complicated formula that goes into deciding what someone's financial need is, what their financial aid package should be. And the student's income itself and the student's assets are counted more heavily than the parents. Mm -hmm. And so by you trying to um, sneak some dollars out of the the calculation, you may actually not be uh, gaining that much of a reward. So why why run the risk? So just a couple legitimate ways before we transition to Anita's question. I, I like contributing more money to your retirement account. That reduces your adjusted gross income. And my understanding, at least as of right now, is they don't fully count retirement uh, accounts in determining your expected family contribution. Contributing to your HSA also reduce, reduces your adjusted gross income but also paying down your mortgage. The equi- now, while that doesn't reduce your adjusted gross income, the equity in your house isn't counted against you in determining the 
expected family contribution. So there are legal, legit, and also beneficial <laughs> to your overall financial life uh, strategies that you can employ to eh, achieve what you're trying to achieve there, Jeff. So good question. And yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah, hopefully that helps. Now, we're going to do a little golf clap here because next question is from Anita B. First question given to Wise Money on Wise Money Radio on Facebook. So thank you, Woo! Anita. Way to girl. go. Appreciate that. Hopefully you're the first of many. So here's her question. I will soon be taking a required minimum distribution from my 403B. Are these distributions all taxed as ordinary income or can they partially be claimed as capital gains? Thank you. That, that's a great question, Anita. So when you think about your RMD, that's the required minimum distribution, at 70 and a half, you have to start taking a portion of your retirement dollars that have never been taxed and pulling them out and paying taxes on them. So you want to make the distinction between ordinary income and capital gains. Capital gains, if you buy an asset and you sell it, you're going to pay taxes on the difference between what you paid for it and what you sold it for. Capital gains taxes. Yes. Right. And capital gains taxes, you would, given the choice, you'd always rather pay capital gains taxes than ordinary income taxes. But when you think about ordinary income, the money that went into your 403B was money that you earned, and instead of taking it and putting it in your pocket, you sent it down the conveyor belt and dropped it into your retirement bucket. So when that money starts to come out of your retirement bucket, it is taxed as ordinary income, which is not as favorable uh, as a capital gains rate, but it, there's, it's not capital gains, it's ordinary income. So you avoided ordinary income on the contribution, therefore you've got to pay ordinary income on the distribution. I, I'm just impressed by the question, though, because oh, yeah. Great question. she at least knows enough about the tax code to recognize that not all income is treated equally in the eyes of the IRS. And she, she also intuitively recognized that this capital gain income is what you would prefer because there's some sweet deals on the table right now. And it's something that maybe some of our other listeners need to be paying attention to as well. If you can realize some capital gains now, you may pay less tax in the, in the long run. Well, just like Anita did, I want to point all of you to the Facebook page at Wise Money Radio to get more resources about the show. Check out, uh, it, it really ask a question just like Anita did. So. Uh, thanks, folks, for listening. On behalf of Joshua Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, and the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.